This is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis from Providence Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Paul, Garrett, and Bruce provide their clients and prospects the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis. Good morning. Uh, thanks for tuning in to our show, Making Finances Easier. My name is Garrett Crawford, and this morning I'm here with uh, Paul Cochran again. How you doing, Paul? Good morning. I'm doing fine, Garrett. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to take charge on our question this week. Uh, I know uh, you kind of get in a groove on certain things, Paul, and coffee is one of those things. Uh, <laughs> and in the 10-plus the years I've known you, uh, this groove has changed a little bit on, on what is the best way to make a cup of coffee. So I thought maybe uh, here in 2022, going into 2023, what is Paul Cochran's favorite way to brew his cup of coffee. <laughs> um, well, I could give a whole history, but I'll just keep it simple. This uh, friend of mine, uh, he's an ear, nose, and throat guy. He's a, a self-confessed con uh, um, coffee snob. And uh, and I was asking him, because I, I typically do a pour over every morning, but I, I was having a hard time keeping it consistent and everything. And, uh, and I said, what temperature you know, do you do yours with? He said, uh, uh, well, 204, but 205 will do. <laughs> so it was kind of like, okay, this guy's got it dialed in. And so he talked me into getting one of these uh, uh, little uh, boilers that has, uh, you know, uh, the, the temperature regulator on it. So it'll shut off when it gets to the certain temperature. And, uh, and so I'm a, a blonde uh, a fan. I don't really like the dark roast. I prefer the, the light roast. And... Um, and so I have gotten to where I, I, I get a, a light roast, and there's several out there that I like, and uh, I, I pour that 205-degree uh, water over those, uh, those grounds because I, I grind my beans and do it the pour over, and man, it has been a game changer. So you grind the bean, warm up the coffee, then you use one of those like plastic or ceramic pour overs at the top uh -huh. and then uh, use, a, use a paper cone filter uh, put the grounds in you know in in the wet filter and uh, and just do do a pour over and uh, that's I have two of those every day well if, if, if you know Paul or if you ever see him in public I remember when I was first getting to know him he would do the Costa Rican method uh, he lived down there for a while and he took this thing that looked like a giant sock <laughs> And uh, he, he made coffee about it. I don't exactly understand how that works, but if you ever see Paul, ask him about the Costa Rican uh, coffee technique. So what about you? What kind of coffee are you into? Uh, we're, we're pretty simple. I, uh, I grew up in the, the booming era of Starbucks coffee, and so uh, I, I, I drink one or two cups every day. I, um, 
there's something about you know my favorite coffee is if i just go to starbucks pull around and i order my uh tall bold black uh doesn't matter what they have i like the feel of the cup and the lid (laughs) it's a familiar experience for me and uh, that so my favorite cup of coffee is uh whatever they produce in at starbucks but if i'm making stuff at home we keep it pretty simple uh we go to costco and buy the the biggest bag of whatever they have three pound i think it's a kirkland signature blend and uh, we're kind of boring just at the house we uh we we use the mr coffee maker every morning uh, and it's familiar and yeah. we like it so even our pretty routine people uh, 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 to do it any other way would probably require more time in our schedule that we don't have with kids yeah uh, but anyway uh Paul and I are both big coffee people, but hey, let's uh, let's jump right in here, and uh, we're going to continue this series that uh, we've been doing, talking about insurance in retirement. Uh, in our last week's show, uh, we talked about how uh, annuities can fit into financial planning, but this week we wanted to turn the page and move to the next product, which would be life insurance. And so, Paul, uh, let's start off with uh, maybe the question. Can you help us see how life insurance can be a part of a, a, a key part in a retirement plan? You bet. Um, let's start with just a couple definitions um, that, not to bore the listeners, but I think it's important to uh, kind of make sure we're on the same page. But uh, we're going to divide the insurance really into two key types. One would be term insurance, which basically goes for, you know, as, the, as the title says, a term. It might be 10 years from today. It might be 20 years, 30 years, whatever. And, um, and there's typically no uh, cash value. You pay the premiums. At the end of the term, you stop paying premiums. You're covered during that time, and that's that's all she wrote. Um, there are some exceptions. Um, there are things like a return of premium term, where you, if you don't use it, you you know you'd get the money back uh, that you put in premiums. So there are uh, there's several derivations, but basically, term is a fixed time, and those premiums are cheaper because there's no. Uh, uh, you could easily outlive that term, and the insurance company wouldn't have to pay anything. The second big type would be a permanent type of insurance. And some permanent insurances are designed to have a large death benefit, so they don't generate a lot of cash within the policy. Others are designed to build up cash in the policy. But when I say permanent, it means, Garrett, that they're going to last as long as you do. In other words, you'll pay premiums um, for either a certain period of time, maybe 10 years, or you maybe your whole life, but it will be available. A death benefit will be there no matter how long you live. So that's what we call permanent. So does that make sense, those two main types? Yeah, uh, and I think I've seen here just recently a couple clients they've they've had a term policy that's about to run out Mm -hmm. and they say man my premiums are going to go way up uh but that's because they've outlived their 30-year term policy and now that they're 62 it's now a lot more expensive to to insure themselves right and in most of those cases unless there's some 
unique extenuating circumstance, it's usually not a good idea to pay those elevated premiums because the insurance company, they're just kind of rewriting that thing and they're going to make you pay a whole lot more. And kind of crossing your fingers that you'll just let it keep going. Another yeah, year. yeah. Um, so that's usually not a good idea. But So let's just start with kind of some basic uses and then we'll get to the more complex as we go down. Uh, an obvious use initially, and we talk about retirement planning, but this really is any age when it comes to term in insurance. Um, you know, this could be a, a term policy on a husband or a wife. So a typical couple, they have children and they might get a 20 year term to make sure that while the kids are growing, one of them dies, the survivor, if the survivor's the husband, he'll have plenty of money for child care, et cetera. If it's the, the, the husband that dies, a bigger policy might be on him for income uh, for, to replace his income if, if he dies. Uh, so the wife is, or to pay any debts, maybe pay off the house, whatever, so that uh, his surviving wife is not in a pickle, you know, with the children. Um, so term in that sense, it's a simple way to get a lot of insurance at an inexpensive rate. And then, um, uh, in, you know, for retirees, it's not, it's not uncommon for even them to use some term insurances for windows of time, uh, that can, uh, replace, um, that can replace income. And I'm going to come to some other uses here in a minute. But um, but those would be provide paying for debts, providing for families. If someone's taken out a, a loan of some type, having life insurance that could cover that loan if something happened to them, very common strategy. Hey, Paul, I, you, you may get to this here in a second, but uh, I, I, I am thinking about a client scenario where they use some term life insurance recently. And uh, the, the issue was that the client was – the, the spouse worked for a state in which she didn't pay into Social Security, and so there was something called a government pension offset that was going to severely affect their household income if he died before she did. Uh, we're talking thousands of dollars per month. And so we recently recommended one of our clients to purchase, I think it was a 20-year term policy, uh, to help mitigate that financial uh, hole that could open up in a plan. But sometimes uh, people have employments where they they don't pay into Social Security and then they, they get surprised on the back end that they that their survivor benefit from their spouse gets penalized. And so I've seen where term insurance can be really helpful uh, in one of those situations. You know, ab- absolutely. Just kind of hitchhiking on that a little bit. Um, there's another key usage uh, where uh, you, somebody has a pension and it becomes this math question, they can get uh, a certain amount if they have no survivor benefit. They could um, have a lower uh, a, a, a lower pr- a pension if they take a um, say a a 100% survivor or even a 50% survivor. And so then again, it's just a math question. The difference between the amount I would get in my uh, pension if I had no survivor versus if I had a 100% survivor, um, 
with that difference in premium, how much life insurance could I buy for that money? Because what we're trying to solve for is making sure that the surviving spouse can continue at a level of income that's livable, you know, if the the main pensioner dies. Yeah, sure. And so, um, again, it's a math question, and every household's a little bit different. But that it's an important thing, and I would just hasten to add to people – if, if you want to drill down into any of these things, we're at makingfinanceseasier.com, 865-770-5031. And uh, some of these things, you, you, you almost have to look at the math to see, uh, you know, how it can make sense. Uh, hey, Paul, I was going to say one more. I've seen it a few times in my days where we'll we'll catch up with somebody that's already in retirement and one spouse has selected the single life pension where if they die nothing goes to the spouse and they'll come in and uh, you can kind of tell that there's a a tension that uh, my husband or my wife they picked this hundred percent I'm not sure they knew what they were doing they just wanted the highest amount and I'm sitting here thinking what happens if something happens to them so uh, I, I think that's another situation where, where uh, a life insurance policy can come in and uh, provide some relief <laughs> to that tension. And it's, and it's kind of going back and correcting a mistake that was made formerly. Exactly. And so that is a, is a very, very common way to provide income for a surviving spouse. Another way, another common usage that is a little counterintuitive, but it is absolutely amazing uh, some of these cases that I've come across. Uh, I mean, Garrett, how many, how many times have we met people who need to take a required minimum distribution because they've reached age 72, but they don't need that income? Uh, and another factor, they, they might want to leave assets for their children or grandchildren, uh, for their family members. Well, countless times I've seen where we could, let's say they had a, uh, a $500,000, um, let's say they had a $500,000 IRA, and uh, I could do some quick math here. Let's say that they're... Um, RMD, the required minimum distribution is $18,000. And so after tax, let's let's say we withhold 20% um, and uh, let's see, $18,000 minus 20%. Um, let's see if I'm doing this right. Uh, you're talking somewhere closer to $14,000, say. Mm-hmm. So with that $14,000, then you could buy life insurance. Well, you would pay a premium each year, and almost every time, um, the amount of RMD would pay a, a death benefit. It would buy a policy that could pay a death benefit that would give a tax-free benefit to their beneficiaries that's greater than the size of the IRA. In other words, you're, um, 
remember, if I die right now, um, my IRA goes to beneficiaries, but the new law says that it has to be, not only is it taxed at their income tax rate, but it has to be paid out over those 10 years. Yeah. Um, but it, if, if this strategy is utilized, they get a lump sum tax-free, you know, plus the what's left in the IRA, and that which w- they would then have plenty of cash to pay the tax. Yeah, I'll uh, hop in here. A t- to keep it simple, and you know, I, I think Paul would also agree with me that every client we talk to, kind of the way we do this is here's an option, here's an option, here's an option, and you just kind of have to see how each one would play out. But this idea of life insurance as an RMD, you could take a very simple example where mom and dad are in a low tax bracket. They're in retirement, they're in 12, uh, 12%, 15%, whatever. Uh, they've got one kid who's a doctor. Uh, he makes over 300000 over 400000 could be even more than that. And uh, parents uh, are 30 years older than the child. That means uh, if parents live until their 80s, uh, 85, that means that their child could be 55 approximately when they inherit that IRA or whatever's left from mom and dad. And so I think one, one area that people would say life insurance would come in handy is that instead of having to inherit whatever money is in that IRA when you're in a 37% tax bracket uh, and you have to distribute that in 10 years from 55 to 65 when a doctor or a physician could be in a top tax bracket, life insurance is appealing because it would operate outside of that 10-year window. It would provide a tax-free death benefit for that child, and it would be paid at a parent's lower tax rate. Now, if you're in a 37% tax bracket and you're paying taxes to put it into a life insurance policy and your child is in a lower income profession, you know, that's a different conversation. But there's going to be different situations where I think uh, this uh, funding a life insurance could could make a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think um, you know if if people want to drill down into this with us, if, you know they can call eight six five seven seven zero fifty thirty one to talk about strategy. But you know um, there's life insurance trusts. There's you know you can drill down into this um, uh, more deeply. But um, the the point is that it it is uh, anybody who is kind of like annuities or any other type of insurance anybody that's just poo poo and oh you know insurance can't do that that's that's crazy or somebody else who's makes their living selling life insurance um those two extremes it can be problematic not always but they can be because if if all i have in my quiver is selling you life insurance and i'm going to figure out some way to get you to buy it um and so we prefer the model where we're really going to try and make sure that you know what these options are out there. On one side of this, we're talking about life insurance. There's another side where like property casualty, boat insurance, car insurance, that's that's not something that we we handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, we'll, we have people in the property casualty space that we'll refer people to to handle mm-hmm. that. But we do do uh, life insurance uh, and some of these health things like long-term care mm-hmm. insurance mm-hmm. in-house. Mm-hmm. And so my maybe my last question to you might be, uh, for somebody that's that's looking into life insurance, what's the benefit of doing 
life insurance planning through a RIA like us, an independent RIA, versus going to one of these people's faces you might see on the sign. And I know they're they're good people, and we don't we don't have anything against them. But what would you see as a benefit? Yeah, you know, again, I'm I'm biased, but uh, I, and I'm I guess I'm really not objective, but at the same time, if if the issue is a large, uh, an, an overall financial plan, um, and looking at the entire picture of what we're trying to accomplish, then a fiduciary, a financial planner, one that's in a position like ours, we function a little bit like the quarterback, and and really we don't care, uh, you know, what, what necessarily what plays. Uh, we're going to run in any particular moment as much as we have objectives we're trying to meet. Yes. And so you're going to have, you know, some different ways to get there. And I think part of our whole role is we want to help people see things more clearly than they otherwise would had we not been been there. So we want to present options that are out there that, no, you don't have to solve it this way. You don't have to solve it this way. But one can be maybe less risk than another way. And so rather than selling, 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 we're presenting these options, and I prefer that model much better. Um, so like, for example, a great, uh, another use here would be wealth transfer. You know, it's really, really uh, common for these incredibly wealthy individuals to have just millions of dollars of life insurance. Well, they don't need uh, the, a traditional death benefit to protect their spouse, but the law still says that death benefit is tax-free. So if I can transfer a bunch of assets, if I can put a bunch of money into a safe asset class, knowing that when I die it's going to go, I, I know exactly how much is going to go to my beneficiaries, it's still and always has been an excellent wealth transfer tool. Another thing that maybe we can talk about another day is premium financing, where somebody's actually borrowing money and paying for life insurance. Uh, we'll have to hit that another day. We need a couple more days to talk about all that. Yeah. But, uh, hey, Paul, I appreciate uh, your insights there. Uh, if anybody does have a question about life insurance, we didn't talk about it today. Maybe you have a life insurance policy from years ago that somebody you felt like sold you, uh, and you feel like maybe fees are eating up everything inside of it, and you don't know what to do. There's also something we didn't mention today called a 1035 exchange, where sometimes you can take old permanent cash value policies and transfer it into something that you would use. Uh, in your retirement. But uh, my, my point there is if you do have a life insurance policy you want review or you're thinking about how to fit that into your retirement plan, feel free to give us a call 865-770-5031. Uh, you might get a voicemail. Go ahead and leave your name and number. We'll call you uh, first thing on Monday morning. We'll follow up with you and we'll set a, a phone call or an appointment at the office and we can go through all that. Uh, you can also reach us on our website, makingfinancesesier.com. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Making Finances Easier. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, or Bruce Landis at Providence Wealth Management. Call 865-770-5031 or visit them online 
at makingfinanceseasier.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Providence Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Tennessee. Insurance products and services are offered through Providence Advisors Group, LLC. Providence Advisors Group, LLC, and Providence Wealth Management, LLC, are affiliated companies. Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis and Providence Wealth Management are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary, and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources, and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.